0: We're going to continue our series, Practice Makes Perfect, and today I want to talk to you around the subject of practicing right. You know, it's not just good enough to practice, but it's important that we practice right. Let's take our text, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 19. We're going to read from the NIV. It's coming up on your screen now. And this is what the Lord says or the the Apostle Paul in the epistle to the Philippian church. He writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, finally, I I think it's important we understand that word, we think about that word. We'll talk about it in a minute, but finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we ask you that, Lord, like a seed, you will plant it into our minds and our hearts and our spirits, and help it, Heavenly Father, to fall on good soil that's ready and prepared to hear it, and then, Heavenly Father, that seed will grow and it will develop fruit in our lives that, Lord, not only we can partake of, not only that we can eat from, but the Lord, everybody who encounters us, everybody we connect with can eat from the blessings of our life because of the Spirit of God in us. And Lord, we just praise you and we give you glory. We thank you for your word because your word transforms us. It renews us. It revives us. It changes us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, a few years ago, many years ago actually, Um, I had a friend that was encouraging me to be a part of uh, a ministry that he uh, was a part of. And we, we had just started for a few years doing global things. We'd been to Uganda, we'd been to Rwanda, we'd been to Cambodia. And he told me, he said, listen, I've got a work in Ethiopia that I'd like for you to come and see. And so I, while I was in uh, Rwanda, then I went to Uganda and then I took another week and I stayed over and we flew over to Ethiopia and spent some time with them. So I was already feeling quite emotional because I was away from my family for quite some time. Uh, We had done a lot of ministry. I was tired. I was worn out. It was still exciting and a lot of great adventure. And I was, I was good to go for ministering to people, but I just was tired and emotional as you, as you get. And uh, when we got there, it was an amazing thing to see because he had been doing ministry there for years. And in that community, we, we, we flew into uh, uh, Addis Ababa, the, the, the uh, capital city of Ethiopia. And then from there, we went to a place called Ngacha. And Ngacha was kind of like a provincial uh, uh, community community. That was, well, the only way I can say it, it it was like going from a metropolitan city into back in time. There's just no other way to think about it. I mean, it was like night and day. And uh, just going from modernity to literally (laughs) uh, things before a lot of industry. I mean, just... Just an unbelievable difference in the way things were lived in the city and the way things were lived out there. And so we got there and as we flew in, we flew in on a small plane, we flew into a cow pasture, literally they had to call And say, uh, get the cows off the pasture so we can land this plane. Now, let me tell you, that was some adventure there. Uh, I took a a friend with me, and and by the time we landed on the ground, I turned around and looked at him. He was white as a ghost, man. I'm telling you, he was doing everything he could just to keep everything inside, if you know what I mean. And it was a fun trip. It was an exciting trip. I love things like that. And we landed. By the time we landed, there were thousands of people in that field. They had seen him coming. They saw that plane coming, and they were excited about him being there and so we walked with him got into a vehicle drove into a community met with several different people that he had provided micro loans for and businesses that they had started and little bakeries and little things that they could do to to provide money for their families and and uh, and resources for their community it was just a great thing that he was doing there and and then we went to the medical facility and and when we got to the medical facility it totally changed my perspective about a lot of things Um, uh, because I didn't know things like this existed. I had been to some impoverished places. I'd been to some places where it was bad, like bad, like we, we can't even imagine it here in America, but this was another level because when we got there, there were hundreds, if not thousands of families out there, uh, and there were kids and these kids were emaciated that's the only way I know how to say it, but, but, but they weren't like skeletal as you see a lot of kids that are starving. They had more of the bloated look where yes, they were skinny in their arms and, and their legs, but their feet and their, uh, bellies and, and, uh, their faces were, were swollen. And, uh, uh, it just was a it was a horrible situation, and these little moms they they knew that 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 the medical clinic there they were putting people on they were putting these kids on this program, and there were it they, they was it saved their life and so so many of these mothers were literally handing their children to us, asking us to take their kids and we were running tests and 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 measuring to see who was the most. Uh, the 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 worst situation, so that we could help them first, and which meant that some of these children weren't going to make it, and it, it was the hardest. I've ever been a part of in that sense it was just so difficult to experience and it just didn't make sense to me because when I drove in I I looked at all the hills and there were crops on every hill there were I mean they the way they farmed it was amazing because the sides of mountains and sides of hills they had farms and it was just you saw crops you saw things being grown and 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 I saw people eating and I thought to myself I this doesn't make any sense Why are they dying? Why? Their bellies were full, but they were starving to death. Why? You know, Michael Jordan said something that I thought was very interesting as it pertains to this idea of practice makes perfect. And in order for practice to make perfect, we need to practice right. And he said this, he said, you can practice shooting eight hours a day but if your technique is wrong then all you then all you become is very good at shooting the wrong way it's such a problem because you know you want to practice but really uh, I heard it said this way, we, we use the terminology, and for this series, it is true, practice makes perfect. In other words, it gets you into the place of perfect peace when you practice the principles of God. But the truth about practice is it doesn't necessarily, practice doesn't necessarily make perfect in that sense or in the sense of skill, but practice makes permanent. So when you practice repetitively, if you're practicing in the wrong way, all you're doing is solidifying uh, uh, bad habits and you're solidifying wrong skill level or wrong uh, 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 methodologies. Ask anybody who's ever played golf. If that's not true, because if you don't learn how to do the things the way they're supposed to be done, if you don't get the foundation of fundamentals in your life, in your game, in your whatever it is you're trying to excel at, then you can practice and practice and practice and practice. But all you're doing is solidifying and concreting that wrong behavior or that wrong habit in your life. So then what you have to do is you have to go back and practice right to eliminate that bad habit and start a new new habit you know paul said to those he was writing to whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and the god of peace will be with you to practice right you need to know what to practice you need to know where to practice and you need to know how to practice now paul gives us answers in this passage See, he gives us the answer to what, what do I practice, where do I practice, and how do I practice? So what to practice? Here's what to practice. Your thoughts. Now, we're going to talk about in that moment, you, that might, you might be like, what are you talking about? We'll talk about it in a moment. Where do I practice? In my mind. How do I practice? With a joyful attitude. It's all right here in this passage of scripture. Because here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Our spiritual battle is in the mind that's where the spiritual battle happens that's where the enemy attacks you that's what the enemy tries to come against you with that's what spiritual entities the rulers of the darkness of this world come against you in your mind trying to deceive you trying to get you to believe a lie about yourself about God about the way things work about the word about the church about everything there's a constant barrage on us to think wrong thoughts or get in wrong habits or wrong patterns about the way we think our spiritual battle absolutely is in our mind and you might be thinking well now wait a minute the spiritual things are in the spirit and yes they're in a the spiritual realm but our mind is a part of of what goes on in our whole self and you need to understand we are a spirit we live in a body and we have a soul our mind our will and our emotions and all of those things work together and they need to be led by our spirit But let's not forget that when we're saved and regenerated, we're born again. Our spirit comes alive, but our mind has to be renewed, and it's renewed by the Word of God. So this battle that we fight with carnality, this battle that we fight with sin, this battle that we fight with temptation, the battle that we fight for the will of God and the purpose of God in our lives— This battle is happening in our mind. And if our mind is not renewed to think the way that Jesus thinks, to think the way that God thinks, then what happens is we lose that battle. And a lot of people are losing that battle today simply because we're not practicing the things that it takes to win that battle in our mind. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says it this way, the mind governed by the flesh, in other words your carnal nature, is death. It's going to lead you to destruction. It's going to lead you to death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. In other words, God wants to use his Holy Spirit to engage your spirit to lead your mind, to govern your mind. What does it mean to govern your mind? It means that the spirit should be regulating what goes in and comes out of your mind. That's what it means. And it's very important that we get this. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says it this way. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In other words, he says the devil is looking for an opening to attack you and to try to destroy you. And the way you overcome that is to be alert and sober of mind. In other words, you don't let your mind get lazy or your mind get confused or your mind be deceived. Ephesians chapter four, verse 22 through 24 says it this way. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new. This is what he says. We need to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. David even went as far as to say it this way in Psalms 26, verse 2. He said, Test me, O Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. He was saying, God, examine the way I feel and the way I think. Do an evaluation on me, God. Test me, try me, get my mind and my heart lined up with the way you think and the way you feel. It's important that we do this. Is it not a coincidence? Is it a coincidence of some some kind that Jesus said that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart? We talk about loving the Lord with all of our heart, our feelings, our emotions, uh, all of our heart, our soul. We talk about loving God with our spirit, with our whole self, with the deep spiritual places of our life. But He also said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength." We need to engage our mind. It's amazing to me how we can live in a world and use our mind and think and process, but somehow we come to spiritual things, we leave our brain at the door. And the Bible is very clear that we have to engage our mind in faith because that's where we win or that's where we lose the battle. We got to learn to practice right. And if we learn to practice right, we need to learn where to practice in our mind, what to practice, thinking right, and how to practice with an attitude of joy that leads us to peace. It leads us to peace. So, here's what I want to do I want to talk to you about some principles to practice proper thinking. You know, we we're talking about these notes, and Scotty said something, Pastor Scotty said something I really appreciate, and I'm going to say it to you right now. I believe that if you'll listen to what I'm teaching you today, and if you'll literally say for one month, I'm going, to be, I'm going to take this as a challenge and I'm going to practically apply these things that Pastor David is teaching me to my life. I believe that if you'll do that, you will see significant change in your world. You'll see significant change in the way you think. You'll see significant change in your family, in your mindset, in your heart, in your purpose, in the will of God for your life. I'm telling you, you will see change in every area of your life. I'm challenging you to take this up as a challenge. As we're going through this 21 days of prayer and we're doing the devotions together and all of that, engage your mind, do these habits and see what happens. So the first principle to practice proper thinking is where that battle happens is, number one, the stop and start principle. Everybody say that after me, the stop and the start principle. As, as I've gotten older, uh, I've realized that getting healthy and staying healthy, it's a little more challenging than it used to be. Uh, when I was young, I'm telling you, I don't care what I, I I'm telling you, I could go out and run forever. I just had this. It, it was like a ever, uh, what what what's that? Ever ready? The Ever Ready Bunny. I I mean, I I could go and go and go and or Energizer Bunny. It's not Ever Ready. I got the brands mixed up. It, you know, I could go and go and go and it didn't matter. I I could just constantly move forward. And and, and you know what? If I gained a little bit of weight, I'd spend a few weeks going out and running and I'd lose that weight and be in shape and feel good about myself but the older I got I realized that that wasn't enough because my metabolism started slowing down and even though I would work out it still wasn't working simply because I wouldn't align my diet with my exercise because I like food y'all I don't know if you like food, but I love food. And I don't know why it is that all the good tasting food is the bad food for you. And all the bad tasting food is the good food for you. But what I've learned is when you learn to change your diet, it really isn't the case. What the case is, is we train our palates to like what's not good for us. And then we have to retrain our palates to like for what good what is good for us. Uh, sometimes we are filling our mouth with so much processed food that we don't even really know what f- flavor is anymore. And, and, and it's important that we, we know how to not just start something, but we also have to realize that there's a principle to, to practice proper thinking. It's the start and stop principle or the stop and start principle. I can't just start start exercising and expect to be in shape i have to also stop eating junk it's just a fact of life i wish it wasn't the case and i believe when we go to heaven we're going to eat everything we want to eat and there will be no stinking calories in it hallelujah pizza i'm gonna i'm gonna have every kind of pizza there's not even pizza invented that i'm gonna have in heaven come on somebody um but as I've gotten older I've, I begin to understand that it's it's required change. You know, when I was young I just I just I could eat anything, and I did, and, and when I was in high school, I played defensive end and linebacker in football, so I'm, I'm, I'm not very tall, 5'9", especially for those positions, and so they wanted to beef me up. I weighed 157 pounds. I could I could bench press 270 pounds, but I, 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 I could only weigh 157 pounds, and no matter what I did, I ate like it was going out of style, and they didn't know how to Condition us back then, but I'm telling you, I could, I would gain a little bit of weight and go off me by the end of the week. By the time we got to the football game, it was already gone again. But here's the problem. When I got out of high school and I quit being so active and I wasn't practicing and lifting and running every day. I noticed something happened because even though I wasn't doing all that exercise, I was still eating exactly like I had been. So the habits of eating whatever, whenever, how much ever just kept going. And the exercise habits stopped and the weight started coming and the uh, lack of health started coming. And so I had to reinvent myself again. And I've done that like 150 times between then and now. (laughs) So, what is the principle here? We have to understand that what goes in has an impact. It's important that we understand it's not just something we need to start. There's some things we need to stop. What goes into our life, what goes into our body has an impact. It's great to start exercising, but also you have to stop eating bad food. And listen, poor thinking like poor eating, has a negative impact on your life. Good thinking, like good eating, has a positive impact on your life. It's really just that simple. It's kind of like your brain is a computer, and what goes in is what comes out. You could say it this way. It's kind of a cute way of saying it, I guess. You need, we all need to start thinking well and stop thinking like hell. That's the facts. We need to start thinking positive, stop thinking negative. We need to start thinking godly and stop thinking sinfully. We need to start thinking uh, uh, divinely and stop thinking earthly. We've got to understand that God has given us a mind and our mind has to be engaged in faith in order for us to win the battle. And when we when we practice right, it brings peace it brings that place of peace paul said if you'll follow me if you'll do what i'm doing if you'll do what you see me doing you do what you hear me saying if you follow my model the god of peace will be with you in other words when we get in this place where our mind is aligned with the word of god god just shows up with peace in hand and he says no matter what your circumstances are your mind is set on me therefore peace is yours you don't have to worry you don't have to fret i don't even need to tell you not to because you're not going to why because your mind is on the right things not on the wrong things one of the reasons we're having so much anxiety church is because we're listening to every negative thing we can get our hands on every bad news every problem every issue and we're focusing on those and we're worrying about those we're worrying about things that really have nothing to do with us we're worrying about things that we have no control over come on we need to get our mind set in faith on God and let him lead us and I'm telling you the anxiety and the worry and the stress and the problems will dissipate and peace will be your best friend. Train your mind to think well. How do we do this? We train our mind to think well by meditating on the word of God. That word meditating, we we get weird about it because we live in an age where so many metaphysical things are happening and so many false religions and all this, this word meditating has become the idea of Eastern mysticism and we're engaging with that. It's not what it means at all. Remember, the Bible was written in the East, the Near East. So we need to understand, uh, you know, that that there are some things there that have been extrapolated and used in wrong ways, but meditation is a good thing. And when I say meditation, I'm not talking about, you know, um, I'm not talking about, you know, yoga or whatever, I'm talking about what the word meditate means to mutter over and over to yourself. Again, it means to think and process. That's what it means. It means to get quiet, get still and think and process. Meditation means to repetitively study the word. It means to repetitively, you know, kind of murmur the word over and over and over again. It's a memorization technique. Uh, meditation means to think deeply we th- we do a lot of thinking but we don't do a lot of deep thinking so we need to train our mind to think well instead of thinking like hell by meditating on the word of god look at colossians chapter 3 verse 2 reading from the niv it says this set your minds on things above not on earthly things in other words he's saying think of spiritual things not fleshly things. Think of spiritual things, not carnal things. And he uses the the mentality, set your minds. This is where we get that word paradigm from, mindset. In other words, it means to establish your thinking on a way of thinking. In other words, you have a mindset that stays focused on spiritual things and is not distracted by earthly, carnal, sinful things. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says it this way, you will keep, now listen to this, you said you want peace in your life, we want peace in the midst of the storm, here's what the Bible says, Isaiah the prophet is talking to God, he said you God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust God. In you. Some translations say it this way you you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on you. In other words, they are steadfastly focused on you. My question is, how much time do we actually spend thinking, processing, meditating on God, on who he is, on what he has done, on his word and how he thinks and how he wants us to live? It's important that we do this. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 16 tells us this. Uh, It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But. We have the mind of Christ. Paul was telling the Corinthian church, listen, we are believers, which means God has given us the opportunity by his word to renew our minds. Into the mind of Christ In other words, we are aligning the way we think With the way he thinks The Bible tells us, the prophets tell us in the Old Testament That his ways are higher than our ways His thoughts are higher than our thoughts But when we are redeemed And we come into a relationship with Jesus That peace comes into our mind Why? Because we're no longer thinking With the mind of the world Or the mind of the flesh Or the mind of the carnal nature Or the mind of sin Now we're thinking with the mind of Christ But it only happens as we meditate on the word of God man I hope you're getting this this morning because I'm telling you to change your life train your mind uh, excuse me let me read one more thing Matthew chapter 22 verse 37 uh, in the NIV it says Jesus replied love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind we have to love God with our whole self and that includes engaging our mind in loving God In other words, we're laying our old mind down and we're taking up the mind of Christ. The the word love there simply means to obey. That's what it means. It means, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he was saying. Keep the words that I've given you. Keep the principles that I've established for you. So make your mind operate the way it should operate. Well, how do I do that? We're going to talk about it in a minute. Because right now you're thinking, oh, I'm I'm going to change the way I think. And I'm going to be more positive. Listen. I appreciate positive thinking. I appreciate it. I, I think it's better to be a, per, a person who sees the glass half full than a person who sees the glass half empty. I, I think it's better to be a person who sees the world with a little bit of sunshine instead of always dark and clouds. But I'm just going to tell you and be honest with you that the, the power of God doesn't operate or function just because you think positive thoughts. And, 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 and really walking in peace is not going to happen just because you're, you physically and mentally think positive thoughts. It's not about thinking positive thoughts. It's thinking the Word of God. It's the most positive thing you could possibly do. So how do we do that? How do we do it? We, we do it by training our mind to think like the mind of Christ. But we also do it, we train our mind to attack wrong thoughts. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Now, let me just tell you something. Because you have a wrong thought doesn't mean you're in sin. The devil can come and tempt you. And you have a thought that's out of the blue. Or your flesh can rise up and lead you. And it, it the difference between sinning and not sinning, because sinning is an act. But the difference between sinning and not sinning is if you dwell on that thought. If you keep that thought. If you don't deal with that thought, and I'm just going to tell you, men, women, boys, girls, those thoughts run through our head, whether by our own flesh or by the enemy. And I'm going to tell you right now, when that happens, it, that's where we win or lose the battle in our spiritual maturity, our spiritual growth. That's where we win or lose the battle for peace is what we allow to stay in our minds. And it's important that we realize if we're putting bad things in our mind, we're going to get bad things out. If we're putting good things in our mind, we're going to get good things out. It's just very basic and simple, and it's true. And I don't care if you want to interpret that as legalism and rulemaking and whatever. It Truth is truth. You can use it or you don't have to use it, but I promise you, if you do, you're going to see the difference. Just keep filling your mind with anxiety and stress. You're going to have a heart attack. You hear me? Keep it up. Keep filling your head full of fear. The, I just read an article this week that said that every major disease is exacerbated and even some created in our culture today by massive amounts of stress. We have got to stop the worry and this. How can we, such a prosperous people, be so worried and anxious all the time? Because we're filling our minds full of doubt, fear, Uh, anxiety stress pressure and instead of just thinking on the Word of God and allowing that to be what comes out of us filling our minds full of sinful thoughts and sinful things getting ourselves so full of nonsense that that's what comes out nonsense we've got to be careful about this we've got to learn this is where we win the battle this is where we get our peace this is where joy comes from so how do we do it second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 through 5 for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh in other words physically for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in god for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of christ so what you see here is a digression and let's turn it let's 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 Turn that process around because here's what happens. The reason we get to the place of strongholds and these these strongholds have to be brought down in our life by the power of God is because it started with a thought. And what does it say that we should do with the thought? Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, when we have those thoughts that are negative, we have those thoughts that are disobedient. We have those thoughts that are temptation. We have those thoughts that are fear and anxiety and stress. We have those thoughts that are antithetical to the purpose and plan of God for our lives. What do we do with that? Well, here's what the Bible says. It says, bring it into captivity. Another translation says to arrest it. In other words, You literally are the cop of your own life. You are the police officer in your own life. And the Holy Spirit helps to regulate this. The Holy Spirit will say to you, that thought doesn't belong in your head. And when that Holy Spirit convicts you of that thought, you immediately arrest that thought. You put it under arrest. You put it in handcuffs. You put it in the back of the car. You drive it to the jail and you put it in, lock it, throw away the key and you walk away. That's not my thought. It doesn't belong with me. I will not participate in that thinking. And if we take that mentality spiritually in our life, I'm telling you, it will literally shut down wrong thinking. Here's what I've found. The more you think rightly, the less you think wrongly. And and, and the more you create this pattern of arresting wrong thinking in your life, it will literally change. You'll, You'll see the way you think will shift and you'll start thinking right thoughts instead of wrong thoughts. So, when you take those thoughts under captivity, then you don't dwell on them. The next thing is it become an imagination or an argument in your mind, and you start dwelling on them, and what if, and what if that, and what if this, and is it really going to hurt anybody, and blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, that thought becomes an imagination, which then becomes a stronghold in your life, and now no, you are no longer under control. You are in the control of your thought, and your thought is running your life, and it's not the right thought. The second thing we want to do, the second principle for proper <coughs> thinking is the make room principle. Now, now here's what that means. It means you need to make room for thinking. Do You know what I found in our culture today? We don't, it's not just we don't think on the word. We don't think period. We quickly process out loud with other people as we're passing by life because we're so busy and we don't really think deeply about anything. This is why some of the decisions you've made for your family or for your career or for what's coming ahead of you haven't been good decisions because they've been made in passing, in processing, and not with deep thinking. If you want to succeed in life, be significant in life, make a difference in life, you're going to have to learn to stop and make room to think. So the first thing you do is you block out time to meditate on the word of God. Blocking out all, here's what that means, a block out time to meditate on the word of God. Make an appointment with God and keep it. Don't just make an appointment, keep it. And don't make a little 10 minute appointment with God. I know everybody say if you just get fifteen minutes in, that's for that's for people who are just. Can can I just say something? That's for people who are just starting in their faith. That's for people who are just needing to prime the pump. They're needing to get started. They're needing to get going in their faith. They need to learn how. They don't want to bite off too much that they can't understand. So we tell them, "Hey, work at this, and then take this step, and then take that step." But for us who are grown, developed, maturing Christians, come on, we we're not spending ten minutes with God. Are you kidding me? block out some time and 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 here's what that means it means block out all distractions and fill your mind with the word Instead of allowing your mind to be filled, all the space is being taken up in your mind, thinking on this thought or that thought or this worry or that worry, this problem, that problem, this event or that event or this social activity, that social activity or this social media thing or this what this person said or this person's uh, uh, approval of you or not. You listen, your mind is full of things that it doesn't need to be filled with. But so you need to clear the clutter and put the word of God in your mind so that when you're tempted or when you fight a battle or when something comes up, what comes rolling out of you isn't worry, stress and anxiety, but what comes rolling out of you is faith and what comes rolling out of you is victory and what comes rolling out of you is power and promise and potential. Come on, y'all. This is the truth. This is the word of God. Taking time to think has become a lost art. To truly hear from God and train our minds to think well, we must start with thinking, period. Group processing is not the same as individual deep thinking. We need to make some time to think. Number, the next thing is, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this idea of making room to meditate on the word of God? Well, the Bible says in Psalms 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of God. And in that word, he meditates day and night. Meditation means he gets still and he listens and he studies and he reads and he thinks. And that man is like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Its leaves do not wither and whatever he does, it prospers. Did you hear what I just said? That when we learn to think deeply about the word of God and fill our minds and make room for that... That we are like a tree that's planted by the river of water that brings forth fruit, leaves do not wither, and we prosper. If you want blessing on your life, stop filling your life up with other stuff and saying, God, please bless my life, but fill your life up with God and you will be blessed. Period. Psalms 119 verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. In other words, I'm going to make room to think about your word and contemplate who you are and what you do and what that means to me and what I am to mean to you. Psalms 4.4 says... Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. And then he says something at the end of that scripture that's very interesting. The word Selah, which means to stop and think about what you just read. So he's saying, be angry and don't sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Now stop and think about meditating in your heart and being still. He's saying in that scripture to meditate. Joshua 1 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. If you want your life to fulfill the will of God, to be prosperous, to do the things that God has planned for you to do, then you need to understand making room for getting your mind engaged with the Word of God and putting putting on the mind of Christ, and thinking heavenly instead of earthly, then that's when blessing occurs. That's when you begin to succeed. That's when your life becomes significant. That's when you get in the will of God. We need to understand this battle for peace is in our mind, and the only way to win it is to understand how to practice right. And how do I, how do I practice? I practice with a great attitude. Where do I practice? In my mind. And what do I practice? Thinking well. Thinking the word. Number three, this is the last principle of proper thinking the mindset over moment principle. The mindset over the moment principle. It's not an event or a moment where I'm thinking on something good. It's about thinking with the mind of Christ, it's about having a holy mindset. Practicing practicing these principles is what brings the peace of God. So let me just say it this way. Sometimes we think in events. We think in moments. In other words, if I can just take this moment and really think about God, then, then, then this situation will turn out well. No, it's not about that. It's about having that relationship with Jesus to such a degree and that meditation on his word and that prayer and communion with him that truly, literally starts changing you from the inside out. It renews you. And your thinking starts changing. Not by your might, not by your power, but by His Spirit. By His Word. The mindset over moment principle works this way. How do we do it? Do we just try really hard to think about these things that He talked about in Philippians 4? No. The answer has already been given to us. We practice a consistent relationship with Jesus, which includes the following Practicing a consistent relationship with Jesus includes what I'm about to tell you: A personal prayer and worship. We make room in our life where nothing distracts us and nothing gets in the way, and we don't do a little quick time to check a box. No, we get quiet, we get in prayer. We seek the face of God, we study his word, and we listen and we meditate and we think. Meditation on his word. We spend time muttering over to ourselves, memorizing, thinking about, processing what his word means, studying it. The Bible says uh, that that we are we are great followers of christ when we study the word not just read the word we study it we find out what it's about what the cultural context of it was originally and how it can be interpreted in our day today and what god was saying and what did he mean by that and how does that apply to my life studying meditating on his ways and on his will See, gathering with his people to pray and discuss the word. Small group activities where we get together and we lift each other and edify each other and speak the word over each other. Coming to church and worshiping God together, praying together and taking communion together and listening to preaching together. Gathering, fasting times where we really want to get in the presence of God and we want to shut off the world and really get intimate with God so we so we fast and we let go of things on the earth and connect with things of heaven committing to his will literally taking a moment to surrender ourselves and saying God I'm not living my life asking you to bless it I just want to live for you and I know the blessing is there And then the the next thing, F, trusting and being still. Literally just having total trust and confidence that God's ways are higher and they are better. And if I just live his ways and think his thoughts and study his word, that... I can trust that it's going to turn out okay and when I walk through the valley I'm going to have peace and when I go up the mountain I'm going to have peace and when I traverse the the corners and the crooked paths I'm going to have peace and when, when the enemy attacks I'm going to have peace and when the storm rages I'm going to have peace not because I'm capable in myself of mentally conjuring up peace no but because the spirit of God is in me and because the word of God is pervasive in my mind and when the devil tries the lie to me, I don't believe it because the truth of the word of God overcomes the deceit of the enemy because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and as the consistent relationship develops, our mind comes into focus and it focuses on the nature of Christ which is those things that are what the Bible says, true and what does it say when we should think on these things that are true, that means loving what is true Uh, it means unconcealed in other words no secrets no hidden parts no hidden places thinking on things that are opposite of deceit he said think on things that are honorable in other words that spirit of Christ that fruit of Christ that nature of Christ is honorable it's grave serious serious and honest and reverent, thinking on things that are right. It means upright, righteous, virtuous, keeping the commands of God is what that means. It means to think on the things that are pure, pure from carnality, pure from sinfulness. Pure. It means to be chaste, it means to be modest. He said, think on things that are lovely, acceptable, pleasing. He said, think on things that are admirable. In other words, things that are well spoken of. He said, think on things that are excellent, a virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action. He said, think on things that are praiseworthy. In, in other words, approbation, approval, or worthy of praise. It means things that are commended, things that are, have commendation or praise, things that are worthy. And when our mind comes into focus with the mind of Christ, it forces out carnal, deceitful, fearful, doubtful, anxious thoughts. It refuses to let them in because our mind is filled with the thinking of God. The earthly, devilish, demonic thinking cannot get in. It is a process that happens as we grow in Christ, and as the good goes in, the bad is flushed out. And positive things begin to grow in us. Galatians 5.22 says, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And isn't it interesting that when he describes the fruit of the Spirit, it is almost exactly the things that he talks about you should be thinking on. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's just be honest. These things that we should be thinking on, these things that should be born out of our life, are the exact opposite of what we're hearing, seeing, and watching in our world today. So when I was in Ethiopia, and I saw all these kids eating and bellies full, but starving... I asked the question, why? And I began this message with that question, why? And I didn't answer it. And I'm sure you want to know. But here's why. They were starving to death. Because even though they were farming, no one had taught them how to cultivate the soil. No one taught them how to rotate crops. No one taught them how to let the soil rest. So even though they were growing food and they were eating food, there was no nutritional value, so they were filling up but dying. And the question then becomes to us on what are we filling up? What is filling your mind? Fear, worry, doubt, sin, evil, wickedness, temptation? Or is what filling your mind is love and joy and peace? and God and Jesus and His ways and His will and His word because you have His nature because you've made room because you've properly fought the battle you've practiced right you are thinking well you are taking on the the battlefield in the mind and you're doing it with the spirit and attitude of joy and willingness another way of putting it is Are we practicing right? Because if we do consistently practice the art of thinking well, we will overflow, overflow with an incomprehensible peace of God. Father, we thank you for teaching us today. We thank you for teaching us today. I just pray for every single person that's under the sound of my voice right now, every single person that's on online campus, every single person that will watch this during the service and those who will watch it at different times. I pray, God, that we will get this. We will get it in our heart. We'll get it in our mind and we'll understand that the battle is in the mind. Our spiritual battle is in our mind. And we have to start making some decisions about what we're putting in our mind. Are the things we're putting in our mind of nutritional value to us spiritually? Or are they just food with no value? Are we putting things in our mind that literally aren't going to edify? They're not going to build. They're not going to strengthen. They're going to actually tear us down. They may even deceive us and make us think we're full. But we really are empty. Father, help us to just win this battle help us to practice right help us to take it on and get in your word and let your word do its work in our lives in jesus name and we just pray that that incomprehensible peace that comes will guard our hearts and our minds in christ jesus and that lord your holy spirit will stand guard and when things try to get in our mind it says no you're not allowed in here jesus name i speak against fear i speak against doubt i speak against anxiety and stress and pressure i speak against sinfulness and and unrighteousness and unholiness i speak against evil and wickedness i speak against spiritual attacks i speak against all of it in the name of jesus and i just declare we will stand on the word we will believe the word and we will allow the word to saturate our lives in jesus name amen Man, thank you so much. Man, what a great word today. I mean, I'm so excited about this because it literally is changing our life if we'll take it and do it. If you don't know Jesus today, you need to come to know Him. There's a pastor or leader on this online campus that would love to pray with you or connect with you or help you make that step. So today, if you don't know Christ, make that decision today and let Him fill your mind and let Him cause you to be victorious. In Jesus' name, love you.